Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick, and guess what? You guys are listening to The Jim Bob Show. Hey, this is Wayne Larrabee, and you're listening to Roar on WGN. Hey, this is Jim McMahon, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. I had to pop a beer for this one. Oh, boy. Yeah. This is IndyCar driver Graham Rahal. You're listening to The Jim Bob Show. I actually grew up the Bears fans I'm like kids. I grew up a diehard Packers fan. Hey, this is Brian Urlacher, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. That's awesome. Oh, and that's then, it. How about one? This is Brian Urlacher. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> about that one, huh? Chicago's been a great sports town. Those, those fans are they're hungry for people that play hard. Yeah, they'd love you if you play hard. Yeah. And if you play hard and win, they love you forever. 720 WGN high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio. It is the Jim Bob Show. And Jim Bob here on the line. We got one of the most beloved Bears of all time, college football Hall of Famer, Pro Bowler, two time Super Bowl champion, and maybe the biggest star on Chicago's all time biggest team. The dude had one speed, man. It was called Hell Bent. Um, and we've got the great Jimmy Mack with us. Jimmy, thanks for coming on board today. Hey, my pleasure, guys. How's it, how's it going in Chicago? Well, it's not as good as going out there in Phoenix for you, man. Well, there's not much that we can't talk about that it's not already been talked about you. I mean, 15 seasons in the NFL, rough and tumble years. Uh, you know, you had a, a, a lot of injuries, Jimmy, and you uh, – uh, you got this cannabis company that you started, and and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that company and and how that works for you in regards to you know all of the different injuries that you've had and even some of your recent stuff. Well, I've been trying to get into the business for quite a quite a long time. Actually, when I first moved to Arizona in 2010, tried to get into it. But uh, like anybody else, there's a lot of shady characters there, so I had to sh- had to weed out a bunch. <laughs> no pun intended, but I had to weed out a lot of different guys but uh kyle turley an ex-ball player i'm sure you know came came to me about this company and uh, he started it put the name on it and, and uh, he's got myself and evan Britton, another former player on the board and and uh we're just we're having a great time with it right now we get we, that's why the name revenant came about kyle you know watched that movie saw how dicaprio came back to life after the bear mauled him and, you know the dream sequence with the indian there he, he believes that was cannabis that he fed him to, to to make him heal yeah and so basically that's that's how the name came about it because this this plant has saved all our lives getting us off the uh, the opioids that we we're all taking for you know 20 plus years and this definitely is, is way way better for you i mean we're supposed to be using this plant you know where everybody has an endocannabinoid system in their body why is that there if you're not supposed to be using this plant? And you know, we have receptors up and down our spine and in our brain for this plant. And so, you know, our government's lied to us over, over 100 years about it. And uh, now it's finally coming to light that that's uh, good for you. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only neuroprotectant, a patented neuroprotectant in the world. Why in football players allowed to use it? You think about this, you know, where you've always been a rebel, whether it was on the field and the, the play and a lot of the stuff off the field. And, and you look at, I just think, the public perception of cannabis. And did you ever see yourself? Because now here you are, you've got all this knowledge. And really, there's that educational piece where you're kind of telling people what it's really all about and what it can do and what it can mean for them. Did you ever see that coming, right, that you'd be a teacher here at this point in your life? No, because I didn't really know a hell of a lot about it, other than the fact that it, it made me feel good, it made me eat, it made me sleep. And, uh, you know, once I got into the business, I've done a lot of cannabis uh, conventions around the country. I met this doctor, uh, Uma Donabalan. She knows more about this plant than I've ever, you know, anybody I've ever met. 
she told me all the medicinal parts of it. And I said, Doc, you know, that's all great. But I said, you know, I started back in 1973. And I knew then it was it was for me. You know, just the way it made me feel. And she goes, that's what it's supposed to do. She goes, THC stands for the happy cannabinoid. Because when you're, when you're taking it, you're, you're always very happy. And that's usually the case. Yeah. It's also, it, it does great for all different kinds of problems that you have. I mean, it's, it's the number one regulatory system in your body, you know. And so it's why it's been, you know, uh, misinformed and, and misconstrued for so long. It, it's, it's beyond me. Well, the big reason is because big farm. You know, big yeah. farmers like runs this country. Why do you think the NFL? I mean, because when I played back in the eighties, uh, you know, I mean, man, uh, we had a lot of uh, guys that were were you know smoking marijuana and uh, and using it and recovery wise. And why, why do you think the NFL's been so staunch against it and the the whole element of it? What, what's your theory behind that? Big pharma. Yeah, big pharma. You know, big big pharma gets you know gives them all the pills that they want. Yeah. Yeah. They, they want you know, every. You look at every day of commercial on TV. It's got something to do with some some kind of ailment, and you take these pills, and then you know you ever hear the list of side effects those give you. Yeah, right. I mean, may may cause internal goes, bleeding. <laughs> you, you, yeah. May may choke yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <Ale> leakage. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, Jim? Jim Bob too is those commercials that says if you if you feel suicidal or happen to kill yourself, maybe it's not right for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You can do a whole you can do a whole they Saturday night life. You can do a whole Saturday they, night life skit on on the the after effects or the side effects of drugs out here. May cause your eyes to bleed. You may lose your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> well, they start these kids out early. You know, they they start them out on Ritalin. You know, yeah. they, all these rambunctious little kids. They oh, they they have ADD or ADHD. No, they're just normal kids. Yeah, right. You yeah, know, hey, hey, if they would have gave us that stuff when we were younger, I don't know where we would have been. We would have probably been a librarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, well, Jimmy, Mac, I wanted to ask you, though, too, and I know the listeners are thinking it, too, is when it comes to making people feel good, the Bears, your team, are still doing that to this day. Now, part of it's because the Bears haven't been back, at least in a victorious way, to the Super Bowl, but there was something super special about that team. You were one of those marquee players, maybe like the biggest star on that biggest team. Are you surprised that even all these years later, when it comes to, you know, being beloved in Chicago, huge sports town, it's still there? Well, I think everybody got to to finally meet the players. You know, we, we did everybody on that team had a radio show or a TV show or you know, some kind of commercial. They saw us without our helmets. They saw us out in public. You know, this is all before cell phones, thank God. And, uh, you know, we were always around town. I mean, Chicago uh, is a great town. Like you said, a great sports town. Those those fans are they're hungry for people that play hard. You know, they'd love you if you play hard. Yeah. And if you play hard and win, they love you forever. That's basically what's happened. I wanted to ask you, um, you were born in Jersey and, and your, your parents moved, but uh, what do you think? I just let's just go think about this for a second. What do you think if Jimmy Mack would have been raised in New Jersey? <laughs> what do you think would have been different about your life? Because I mean, you know, you guys end up moving. I want to I want to get to that. And you ended up in you know Roy, Utah, but you went to San Jose. Why did you guys move around? What job was your dad or your mom had that made you move like that? Well, my folks, uh, my folks actually met in Chicago back in the, the late fifties. Uh, they were both in the army. My older brother actually was born in Chicago, and then after that, they moved to uh, back to where my dad was from, Jersey City. Lived there a couple of years. Uh, that's where I was born, and my younger brother. 
Then we moved out to California, I think, just before I was three years old. Yeah. So I was raised in California, and then uh, my dad was a accountant, a bookkeeper, whatever you call it. it wasn't a, I don't think he was a certified CPA like they have now, but you know, he kept the books at these different companies. And then uh, the same in California, his company out there had a, a smaller company in Utah that was not doing well, so they sent him up there to run it. And uh, so I had to move again. That was my junior year in high school, which really sucked. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. I was a starter as a sophomore out there in California, and all the coaches wanted me to stay. My older brother got to stay and finish out his senior year. He lived with one of his coaches, his wrestling coach. And since I had two years left and uh, had, a, had a police record, I had to get out of the state. So <laughs> I was a bit of a hoodlum as a child. <laughs> So, how, I mean, obviously, I mean, you, could you see yourself on, on doing the Jersey Shore stuff with all these characters and so forth? I mean, is that I, I, no. I was reading about you born in Jersey. I go, oh, shoot, man. I, can you imagine if Mac would have stayed in Jersey? I don't even know if you would have even made it. Do you think you would have made it into the uh, football arena if you would have stayed in Jersey? Uh, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But I, I wouldn't have been on the Jersey Shore. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> when you mentioned being a rebel, you know, you said you're a little bit of a hoodlum at the time, and this was at a time when you didn't have this like individual platforms like social media and a lot of reinforcements and ways to connect with fans. And and football was tough. You know, some of the things that you did, whether it's like coming to training camp with the beer or the headbands with Pete Rosell or any of the things that you did on the rebel side, the fans loved it. Did you ever have anybody that was maybe talking to you saying ill-advised or maybe it wasn't Pro- probably right, everybody right idea <laughs> no not really i mean my my attorneys once in a while say did you really say that or did you did you have to do that i'm like hey <laughs> yeah. you know it happened it happened so you know when you were but, uh, yeah it was, it was crazy those were fun fun crazy times when you when went to byu you know you go there and you know people not everybody knows this you were a punter Okay. I mean, and I think you even kicked your, your freshman year. You were the punter. And did you play basketball for BYU? No. Okay. No, I played baseball for about 10 games my freshman year. Okay. you played- that's, that's how I chose BYU. Uh, well, basically, my dad chose it because I chose Vegas, and he, he didn't let me go to Vegas. So. <laughs> but that was one of the – was one of the uh, – my thoughts was I was going to play both sports. So all, this, all the schools that I went to, I went back to Nebraska, Oklahoma State, I went up to Boise because I'd never been to Idaho. Uh, I went to a lot of different places, but I told them all, I said, look, I plan on playing both sports. Uh-huh. And they all said no, except for BYU and Vegas. And so Vegas was my last trip. I had an awesome time. I came home and said, Pops, I'm going to Vegas. And he said, no, no, you're not. It's not big <laughs> enough. I said, I think he was worried about me going on to the next level. And I said, Pops, I don't care how big the school is. I said, I'm not worried about making it to the next level. I said, I want to have some fun in college. And uh, he said, no, you're not going to Vegas. So right. ended up going to BYU. I mean, so Friday nights and Saturdays were fun. The other five or six days a week sucked. But yeah. how about, it, was, how about it though, definitely was not what college life was supposed to be like. No, I know that, man. How about, though, your sophomore year, Wilson gets hurt. You come in and play. And this is crazy. I mean, not everybody knows this, but you come in that, 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 that year, that 78 season. You play so good. Uh, and Wilson comes back. You guys kind of share the duties. I mean, you make uh, 
Now, you make the all-whack team that year, and you're an honorable mention All-American playing sparingly as Wilson comes back in, and you hurt your knee that season, and then Wilson goes on the, the very next season. Your knee's hurt, and, and they, they redshirt you. Wilson goes on to set like nine NCAA records that year, and then he's gone off to the NFL, and you come back in 1980, and you set 32 NCAA records. Tell us about that stint when you come in, Wilson's hurt, and then you get hurt. Tell us about that because I was reading about that and I was reading your book this last week and everything. Some pretty cool stories back in the day. And like I said, one of the greatest games I ever saw in my life was the Miracle Bowl with SMU. And when you came in and, and that game, and when you begged yourself back into the Minnesota game, those are two of the best games I've ever witnessed. And you were part of both those. So talk a little bit about that, that era of your life. Yeah, my my sophomore year, well, my freshman year, I just wanted to make the varsity team, and I was uh, I was always could kick the ball, so I you know I, I concentrated on on kicking my freshman year. I was the third team quarterback at the time, and at BYU, you know, the second team guy never gets a rep, so third team I wasn't really worried about reps at all or, or anything like that. So my second year, I came in thinking, hey, you know, I can play. I, I know this offense, I can play, and our the, the offensive coordinator that we had prior or my freshman year, he had just left to go to the NFL. He actually went to the Chicago Bears. His name was Doug Scoville, and he was the smartest offensive guy I've ever been around in my life. And uh, so he left. We brought in another guy. I'm not going to mention his name because he sucked. But, you know, I knew I had a chance to play now that there was a different coach. And so uh, things weren't going as well as they should have early in the season. They put me in. Uh, we won a quite a few games like you said I made all conference that year I was the first sophomore quarterback to do that and then uh, the following year <clears throat> I get redshirt you know I, I was having some knee problems I did that, end up having knee surgery after my uh, sophomore year and then uh, I knew there was something 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 in the wind you know I just didn't feel right because Mark had another year I had two years left and then Doug Scoville actually came back uh, to BYU my, my red shirt year. And mm-hmm. the first thing he said was, I'm going to get Mark Wilson back to where he was. And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to play much. So I made sure I was ineligible scholastically. You know, I didn't go to class. And so <laughs> That's the way to red shirt. So we came, we came back to training camp my junior year or my red shirt year. And uh, Lavelle says, Hey, you, you got to be ready to play. Mark had an emergency appendectomy during the summer. And, uh, you know, they didn't know if he was going to be ready. And I said, well, <laughs> I can't. I'm, I'm ineligible. And so he made me sit in his office every day until I got caught back up in my schoolwork. I got back caught. I got caught up. And then Mark came back and ended up playing the uh, first game of the year, which was Texas A&M, which was our biggest game of the year that year. And so he played that game. And I said, well, I'm Richard. And then I'm like, I just missed the biggest game of the year. I'm not going to play. But he made me dress another couple of games just in case. And uh, finally, I said, I'm not dressing anymore. You're not going to you know, stick me in and lose a year of eligibility somewhere. So uh, that was a very frustrating year. Mark had a hell of a year. He went on, you know, made All-American, uh, took us to another bowl game. We ended up losing again. So that was that was a tough year. Almost left BYU because of that. And uh, I'm glad I stayed. That things worked out. But it was a very frustrating year to have to sit there and watch that. Well, then in 1980, after your after your redshirt year, you beat out 
I don't even know who this guy was, Royce uh, Bybee, you know, and uh, what I was curious about, I read in the, reading the stories about you and reading your book and going back and looking at it, and you lose to New Mexico the opening week, all right, and a New Mexico team that goes four and seven, and then Jimmy Mack must get pissed off because you win 11 straight, you set 32 NCAA records, you got the single season total yards record, you had 47 touchdown passes, and, and you were Sports Illustrated National Player of the Week that year as well. And, you know, you finished – I think you only finished three games because you guys kicked everybody's ass so bad. Truly, I think you only finished three games. And so that means that, you know, of the eight games that you came out in the third quarter, what would have your passing yards have looked like if you would have stayed in the damn game? Yeah, a friend of mine actually wrote a book about that season, and, and he added up my playing time. And he says, you missed. If you if you add up the time that you sat on the bench, that was three games worth. So I would have probably had you know sixty touchdowns, well over five thousand, maybe six thousand yards, but in three games. So yeah, uh, yeah, it could it could have been monumental, but uh, the way it worked out was okay. No, it was. So then uh, we get through BYU and and you get drafted by the Bears. When you were going through that draft uh, element, did you give a crap where you were going, or or did the Bears excite you about going there? No, I had I had no idea I was going to Chicago. All indications were I was going to Baltimore. Baltimore Colts were picking fourth that year, and uh, I'd been back to Baltimore two or three times already. I'd been having lunch and dinner with Johnny Unitas at his restaurant, telling me all about the city. How I'm going to love Baltimore. Yeah, look at it now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was that. So my whole focus was all right. I'm going to I'm going to be a Baltimore Colt, and then. Uh, but I had forgotten. I told my agent I really didn't want to go to Baltimore. But he didn't say anything to me until draft day. So I'm, I'm sitting at home watching the draft. You know, it wasn't like nowadays when they send everybody to New York. So I'm just sitting there with my family, and, and uh, Roselle gets up and says, with the fourth pick, the Colts take quarterback. So I'm thinking it's going to be me. And he says, Arch Schleister, Ohio State. Oh. And I was both relieved, relieved and surprised at the same time. I'm like, Shit, what happened, you know? And so my agent called me right away. He goes, what would you think? And I go, what happened? He goes, well, you told me you didn't want to be there. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. And I, and I told them that, uh, you know, you couldn't sign your running back. I think it was Curtis Dickey. So don't even bother drafting Jim because you'll never sign him. And so they passed. And then, you know, Chicago called right away next. And I had no, I, you know, like I said, I knew nothing about Chicago and the fact that my folks were, were met there and my brother was born there. And I'd seen Brian's song. That's, that's all I do about the Chicago Bears. <laughs> well, you know, we can talk about the early years, but, uh, you know, we had Fensick on, and we got to talking to Fensick about 84 season. And, and Gary talks about, he goes, you know, hey, we, we had a feeling. We could just feel that things were coming together. Um, and we felt that, you know, after 84, we really belonged and, des- and deserved to be there and so forth. Did you have the same feeling that 84 season? Did you guys know you were coming into it? And then, you know, I mean, you almost had, I mean, in your career, you almost had two perfect seasons. That year, you guys went 11-1 and one and then uh, had the Miracle Bowl finish. And then with the Bears, the only game you lost that year was the Dolphins. Um, did you have a feeling that you guys were going to go to the Super Bowl after the 84 season? Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, we had a we had a good chance in 84. Um, had I you know, not hurt my kidney, we, we probably would have won in 84, too. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we started actually gelling the last half of the 83 season. Uh, I think we won seven of the last eight games to go eight and eight that year. 
and then uh, so we knew we were going to be pretty good in '84, and then we were that we were seven and two when I hurt my kidney, and we finished ten and six. And so yeah, I knew we were going to be good. We just had to keep everybody healthy, especially myself. Jim McMahon here on the Jim Bob Show Game Day Edition, getting an opportunity to talk with Jim McMahon about training camp, about getting drafted, about injuries. Coming up, future episodes, we're going to continue those conversations with those Bear legends, so stay tuned for that. We're going to take a break right here on this episode, and we'll be back with more here on the Jim Bob Show Game Day Edition. Mm-hmm. 